0: The show you love with even more local, local news. news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas.
1: And a wonderful Wednesday afternoon to you here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you. Your concierge for conversation as we take a look at and discuss the issues of the day that affect you and me right here in California's Central Valley. Again, Mike Douglas, your personal concierge for conversation as we reasonably, rationally, and respectfully discuss all of these issues we have to deal with today. Big uh, issue, and let me address this right up front, We have a a bit of uh, investment in this news item with both family and friends on the west coast of Florida. As I'm sure you have heard, Hurricane Ian has hit the uh, west coast of Florida and is making its uh, way north by northeast. Uh, Winds being reported right now at about 140 miles per hour. And the hurricane itself moving about 8 miles per hour. Uh, the storm surge, that's the, that's the big deal. That's the big issue that initially causes so much damage. You certainly have the wind damage, but the storm surge, you've heard that term. I'm sure you know what it means. Uh, the storm surge is the height of seawater above normal levels. In other words, think of the fact that Hurricane Ian has been ripping along at about 155 miles an hour, and that's about two miles an hour short of a hurricane of a uh, Category Five. And when it hit the coast, I believe uh, right now its uh, its winds were about 140 miles an hour, so it's still a Category Four, but near a five as it was approaching Florida. Anyway, think of. 155-mile-an-hour winds coming over the ocean, pushing the waves of the ocean onto the shore. 155-mile-an-hour winds pushing that water up onto the shore. That creates a surge of water, and it it exceeds the normal height. So if you're there enjoying your your beach on a normal day, think of where the water level normally is. Well, at first blush today, my understanding is in the uh, at least the Naples area, the storm surge was at least six feet now it's estimated uh, they were thinking it could go as high as 12, maybe 18 feet. So think of it: a six-foot wall of water above the normal level of the water hitting the shore. Now the problem is, especially for those who may be in a in a depression, a topographically de- depressed area, uh, if that water has nowhere to go, what happens? Well, you you get flooding. And, of course, you get the damage of that water coming in so intensely and so high. So that storm surge is a critical part of of all of this. And, again, right now, as uh, I'm looking at uh, our feed here, uh, the wind's uh, maybe down to about 130 miles per hour, uh, but still creating a lot of... uh, a lot of ca- damage and, and potential catastrophe in the area. Again, uh, we have family and, and friends, so uh, we are praying that uh, they will remain safe and uh, that the hurricane Ian would uh, be held back from causing too much damage. As you know what happens at times like this and Governor DeSantis has been very good about getting out in front of everybody and describing what's going on the preparations. Uh, People tend to think erroneously that if something bad happens, that FEMA is going to come right in with the federal government and save everybody. Not the way it works. In the mutual aid system, the local entity, whether it be law enforcement, fire and rescue, whatever it might be, the local entity is in charge. Now, once its resources start to get exhausted, then we go outwards on the mutual aid system and we look at nearby counties. And then when we exceed the region of those counties, then it comes to the state level. And if it starts to look like it may exceed the resources of the state, then it goes to the federal level, the FEMA level. Now, in all of this, there are trainings that are held throughout the year by all of these agencies. There are manuals upon manuals on shelves upon shelves, and those manuals are continually tested out uh, in exercises. And so uh, FEMA has been pre-positioning resources, as has the state of Florida. So you go to areas that are not anticipated to be affected by the disaster, whatever it might be, in this case, the hurricane. So you go to areas that are reasonably expected not to be radically affected by the disaster itself, and you pre-position those resources there. So once the danger has passed, once it's safe for the rescuers to go out, then the urban search and rescue teams go out, and uh, then then there are other teams that go out restoring power, etc. So a lot of these resources are staging right now. They're in prepositioned areas awaiting that storm to pass, and they get the green light to go do what they do best. Now, this declaration by the president. The first, the declaration by the governor is absolutely necessary. And then uh, the declaration by the president, absolutely essential one to get those FEMA resources. But the other thing people don't often think about is the other aspect of FEMA is paying for all of it. And believe me, if you're on the local or state level, local, regional, or state level, if you don't dot your I's right and you don't cross your T's properly, you may not get reimbursed. And you see, so part of this, part of the declaration and FEMA's involvement, has to do with the recovery phase, which doesn't last for weeks; it can last for years, and so that there, there's going to be a very long recovery period, and FEMA will be looking for the proper paperwork. It's now, of course, all digital. I'm sure uh, to verify the fact that federal monies can be used to reimburse uh, local, regional, and state entities for the costs of of responding. Very expensive to respond to incidents like this. So that's basically where they're at at the moment. A lot of these resources pre-positioned and staging, uh, waiting uh, until it's safe to go into the uh, areas and restore power to start working on the infrastructure and, of course, uh, to um, hopefully look for but not find uh, any deceased people. But those that's what the urban search and rescue teams are for, uh, to go in and rescue people who may be in danger or recover bodies, and we hope that uh, that won't be the case. Uh, affecting airports, apparently more than 1,700 flights have been canceled at five Florida airports, understandably. Orlando International got the hardest hit, apparently as they reported this morning, 313 departing flights and 385 arriving flights were canceled today. Miami International, Tampa International airports—they've uh, combined. See, they've seen more than 760 flights canceled. So, a uh, very reasonable, very reasonable, very expected uh, flights not going in there. Now, not everyone who those that reside in the affected areas have to evacuate to another state. The idea is to, to evacuate to a place that has been identified as being relatively safe. Well, apparently a lot of folks from Florida are going to Texas. In fact, they're going to Houston. And the last flights uh, that were getting out of Florida, apparently hundred, let's see, 100, 140 flights were canceled in and out of Tampa and Fort Myers uh, Tuesday but those flights that were able to get out uh people have been going to Houston and apparently hotels there are filling up with Floridians fleeing what's expected uh, again to be uh, quite a bit of devastation in the wake of Hurricane Ian so we will uh keep an eye on what's happening with Ian as we uh, go along today and again uh we have, uh, in the Douglas household, a vested interest in that. My brother-in-law uh, lives and works in, in Naples, and we also have some longtime friends who are in the affected area as well. So our prayers are with them, God willing, that uh, there would be no loss of life and that damage would be limited. So there's an update, what's happening in Florida. Again, if you're uh, folks of faith, we encourage you to join us in, in praying for that situation. Well, coming up a uh, couple of uh, interesting notes here. One, another shooting uh, today at a school in uh, in Oakland and uh, there's uh, <clears throat> people are starting to push back. Against some of these bills that have been passed in California and that either have been signed for by Governor Newsom or are awaiting to be signed. And we'll talk about those. I think this is a good sign. People are starting to push back, and I I think that's absolutely necessary. For us to stand fast for what we believe in and what we know to be true. We'll be talking about that coming up in three minutes as the Mike Douglas show continues right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: With the big news of the day, here's more of The Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to The Mike Douglas Show We're here on this Wednesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I feel, uh, just, I don't want to say guilty, but it, I guess uh, I'm contemplative. It's the the weather is so wonderful here at the moment. I mean, here outside the uh, clandestine studios of the Mike Douglas show, it's 87 degrees and, and, uh, the winds are a calm, uh, Oh, I don't know, four miles an hour, maybe, um, not, not anything more than that. And, and here we have relatives and friends waiting out this massive, ugly hurricane in Florida. So, uh, best we can do at this point is uh, continue our prayers uh, for them. A uh, quick note here, in case you haven't heard, apparently uh, there have been uh, at least six injuries, six uh, people taken to the hospital in Oakland. Apparently there was a shooting at a, a school uh, complex in Oakland, California, according to Alameda County Sheriff's office this morning it took uh, place at a building on fontaine street apparently there's multiple schools uh that are inside including the bay area technology school rudsdale newcomer high school and sojourner truth independent study uh the shooter the situation is no longer active they say uh however uh again at least six people were injured in this shooting, uh, not a lot of other information uh, coming out of this uh, at the moment. So uh, you you may have heard about that. We just wanted to confirm at least what what we know at this point. All right, uh, there's a surgeon, in, and this this comes back to, I believe we never ever 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 give up. We stand fast for what we believe in and use the appropriate methods that are available to us according to the rule of law to fight back. So apparently a surgeon in California is displeased with a recently approved state bill that's aimed to punish doctors for spreading alleged false information about COVID-19. And again, my issue with this is this, this is a First Amendment issue. So uh, Dr. Peter muzaleski called the act dangerous when it comes to patient care he said it would be damaging in regards to scientific progression now this uh, senate bill uh, was introduced uh, in february approved last month it has not been signed by governor gavin newsom yet to my knowledge Uh, but the issue is here we go again california moving way beyond, I believe, its legal boundaries as far as the Constitution goes. The Constitution gives us the right, the right, absolute right to free speech. And what California is saying, well, you can have free speech as long as you agree with us. No, that's, that's not what the Constitution says. Now, there's another challenge to another California law in the works and this is that, remember that bill, Assembly Bill 1594, the Firearm Industry Standard of Conduct? This is, this is all aimed at getting rid of guns in California, at least for private citizens. Uh, so this law, if you recall, would allow private citizens to sue gun manufacturers uh, of uh, if um, there are banned guns that are being used. And it requires that those challenging the state's gun laws uh, that they would pay legal fees if the challenge fails. I mean there's quite a quite a few things here. It's going to establish a firearm industry if con- uh, industry standard of conduct, and it allows local governments, the state Department of Justice and gun violence survivors, to sue for what they call egregious violations of state sales or marketing regulations. So what this is all aimed at is trying to discourage gun manufacturers from manufacturing guns, which is what they do. You see, they can't count outright, although they're trying, they can't outright take the guns away from citizens, but they're going to do everything they can around the edges of that to make it as difficult as possible, A, to own a gun, and even worse, B, to manufacture a gun. Now, this isn't about protecting people. This isn't going to keep the bad guys from using guns, is it? And uh, so here we have, uh, does, does this give you hope? It gives me hope. This surgeon that is pushing back against First Amendment violations, in my opinion, in Sacramento, and then this uh, the gun groups challenging this ridiculous California gun law. Aren't you encouraged by that? Tell me you're encouraged, but somebody's got to be encouraged by that. I know we have so much discouragement around us. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Don't you find a, a glimmer of hope here that, that people are willing to push back? That that they're that they're not just curling up into the fetal position and saying, Allah's over. It's gloom and doom. We're done for. There's nothing we can do. Yeah, the situation is bad. Yes. California, the great majority, the supermajority up in Sacramento at the legislature, they are socialist minded. They are. Look at the bills coming out. There's no denying that. And that is discouraging to those of us who believe in constitutional rights, who believe in freedom, who believe in capitalism, who believe in freedom of the press. But we can be so consumed by the negativity, and by the way, that's part of the plan. That is part of the plan, to discourage us, to defeat us before we even enter into the fight. I refuse to do that. I will not do that. You will not find me either figuratively or literally curling up in the fetal position and running up the white flag. I will not surrender to the socialist and Marxist movements in California and throughout the nation. Not going to do it. And they can threaten me. They can knock at the door with the FBI. They can do whatever they want. I am not going to run up the white flag. Now, do I want those things to happen? No, I don't want to be persecuted. But the the reality is, if we stand for righteousness, we're going to take hits. I don't know where we got this idea over the past couple of decades that in the United States of America, somehow we're inoculated against bad things happening to us. We're not the way... A union like this survives, the way a constitutional republic survives, the way a nation built upon the Judeo-Christian ethic survives, is you have to stand fast and you have to endure the attacks and appropriately push back at them. Appropriately push back at them. And that's why, I've explained this before, that's why I show up Every day, weekday anyway, from 3 to 5 is because I believe that and I believe you and I are the catalysts for change. And in a mere 41 days, a mere 41 days, we're going to be voting and it is absolutely essential that we make that part of our pushback. All right, more to talk about. Uh, oh, the president! Another major gaffe. We do have to talk about it. Do that in five minutes. Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV as the Mike Douglas Show continues. The Mike Douglas Show now weekdays from
0: three till five on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV on air and online. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio Radio app. Search thirteen sixty KFIV. I'm
1: and welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation. I I don't. I try not to unduly pick on anyone. However, this is becoming this it is beyond the pale now the president of the United States, We look at what's happening in Ukraine, in Ukraine, look at what's happening with our energy, look at what's happening with inflation. And again, in 41 days, we go vote. And so these things, like the incident I'm going to mention, are all part of putting it into your mix, thinking about it. And then after you consider these many things that, You find out on your own and we bring up to you, then you cast a very intelligent and reasoned vote 41 days from now. Now, I know the presidential election isn't for a couple of years yet in 2024, but there are issues that need to be dealt with in the interim, and we need to remember from whence a lot of these issues have come. President Biden... Was in a at an event speaking and he was complimenting some legislators and he was looking around for a congresswoman who died last month, Jackie Walorski. Uh, uh, listen to this, Representative Jackie. Are you here? Where's
2: Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here.
1: Where's Jackie? Uh, she 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 must not be here. No, she's not, Mister President. She's dead. She died in a car crash a while ago. This is so embarrassing. This is the man that we want dealing with domestic and international issues. Really? Can we any can anyone defend him anymore? My goodness. This is absolutely, and and here, let me ask you this question. If you were the White House press secretary, pretend it's not Karine Jean-Pierre at the moment, but it's you. And you have to answer a question about why your boss, your president, Looked around and wondered why a dead congresswoman was not there. How would you answer it? I'm curious seriously, how would you answer it? Because I'm gonna make a point with this. Our number two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Two zero nine five five one three four eight three. How would you answer a reporter who asks a question? about why the president was looking around for a dead congresswoman wondering where she was. How would you handle that? Well, here's how Corinne Jean-Pierre handled it so the
3: president w- was uh, as you all know you guys were watching uh today's event a very important event on uh, food insecurity the president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work he had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the white house on friday there will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming friday uh, so of course she was on his mind she was of top of mind uh, for the president he uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming friday he
0: said jackie are you here where's jackie she must not be here no nope,
3: i totally understand i just i just explained she was on top of mind uh Um, You know, this wasn't what we were able to witness today and what the president was able to lift up uh, in this uh, at this conference, at this event, uh, was how her uh, her focus on um, wanting to uh, uh, deal with combat food insecurity in America. And this is something that he was lifting up and honoring. And, again, he knows that he's going to see her family this coming Friday. There is a bill signing uh, that's going to happen in renaming a VA clinic in, in Indiana after the late Congresswoman. He knows that he is going to see her family, and she was at top of mind.
1: Really? That's the answer? Are you, are you satisfied with that answer? Is that the way you would answer that question? How about... President Biden made a mistake. That takes, uh, what did that take, two seconds or less? President Biden made a mistake. That's the response. She went on for including the question from, uh, the follow-up question from a reporter who basically restated the problem. Here's what the president said. He was looking around for uh Jackie Walorski saying well where where where's uh Jackie uh she she must not be here today N- no no she's not here today because she died Mr. President the whole world knows she died it was headlines obviously you at some point knew she died because according to your press secretary you're going to be honoring her later Unbelievable. What what happened to honest? Where is honesty anymore? Where is just being honest? The president made a mistake. You can't argue with that. He made a mistake. Whether he should have made a mistake, that's arguable. You can't argue with he made a mistake. That's it. But this one minute and 28 diatribe, minute diatribe, one minute and 28 second diatribe rather by Karine Jean-Pierre. I'm, I'm weary of her. I've got to be honest with you. I am weary of her own your stuff. That's one of the, by the way, that's one of the life lessons that I earned, uh, learned a long time ago. And I was taught that by my grandparents and my parents. I was taught that, in the police academy. I was taught that in fire and rescue academies. I learned that working in those structures, and some of it was the hard way because sometimes in order to say what's true and in order to be honest, you, you take hits for it. Well, yeah, that's part of being a person of integrity. Own your stuff. And that's... Uh, Apparently, they're unwilling to do that. Anyway, my response, Corinne Jean-Pierre, would have been the president made a mistake, period. Well, why did he make a mistake? Well, there may be many reasons for that. Yes, he made a mistake. What the diatribe that she gave us, the one-minute-and-28-second diatribe leaves open is he didn't make a mistake. She was on his mind. Well, she's dead. So she wasn't accurately on his mind. And we we need to start saying to ourselves, this is unacceptable. It is absolutely unacceptable. And, And this is not people conjuring things up about the president. This is happening time and time and time and time again. Uh, let's go to the phones. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Debbie and Stanislaus, the microphone is yours.
4: Thank you for taking my call and in support of what you're sharing. Thank you very much for doing that. But I, I believe, and I'd love the audience to call in too, please. I believe that Mr. Biden is in stature only. He's He's not the one that's calling the shots. He has a whole situation behind him telling him what to say and what to do. We have to, we have to understand that when he was inaugurated on in 2020, he took our country away from us. He opened all our borders, and our American citizens are living on the dirt and the ground all over the country, but mostly in California. And he's allowing that. And he's watching our citizens die and starve and try to raise their children on the streets, their grandchildren, their grandparents that are on the streets with their grandchildren, while he lets all the illegals in here. Somebody please help me explain this so that it'll make sense to everybody. Mike, please help me.
1: Well, Debbie, I I think you hit a very salient point there. Just a bit ago, you said, I don't think he's, I'm paraphrasing you a bit, I understand that. I don't think he's calling the shots. I agree. I don't think President Joe Biden is mentally capable of being president of the United States. Well, you're not a psychologist, Mike. Don't need to be. I'm watching, I'm observing. And what I'm observing is like this event today where he's he's wondering where a dead congresswoman is or he's wandering around the stage looking how to get off the stage or he's shaking hands with people that aren't there. Uh, and he, he, he goes into a verbiage that is almost unintelligible. I don't believe, Debbie, I think you're right. I don't believe he's calling the shots either. I believe other people are. Now, who those people are is another matter. And and maybe friends, you have some thoughts on that. Uh, Debbie, thanks for bringing that up. 209-551-3483. I've mentioned I'm, I, I see normally I'm cautiously optimistic. I see the glass generally half full. And I believe in standing firm and I am not going to run up the white flag and let the woke culture take down the country. What about you? 209-551-3483. Let's find out what Frank from Oakdale thinks. Hi, Frank. Welcome.
2: Hello. Thanks for allowing me on the show. Um, I'm not discouraged at all. I see the wounded warriors on TV, what they've been through, some of them well over a hundred operations and they don't give up and they inspire me. And I look at them and I See, hey, if they can survive that and put their life on the line, risk life and limb, then for me to vote or just get involved uh, politically is just a small price to pay. Um, Jesus already won the war. The war's won. We, lo- we may be losing a few battles here and there, but we know we're on the winning side. My, my greatest fear is that I don't obey what he's called me to do. That's what scares me. I think we win every election just based on the pearly gates. But um, the the most terrifying thing is that I don't obey him and that I don't stand up for what's right. And I just cower and bury my head in the sand like an ostrich. Like I say, he already won the war. We just have a few battles to fight. Uh, You look at the prophecies being fulfilled right and left, you know the Bible's accurate. So I'm not discouraged my biggest fear is that I just uh, turn into a coward and run when my sacrifice is so minimal compared to our wounded warriors and our soldiers who put their lives on the line every day. Their lives, and if it's not their lives, then it's you know their limbs and so on and so forth. I, I never cease to be amazed whenever I see them and they're inspiring millions and millions and millions of people i have no excuse to quit i don't don't want to quit there's no reason to quit we've already won
1: good for you frank and by the way i don't think for a moment because uh, from from listening to you i believe you to be a man of character uh and i believe a lot of that if not most of it uh, if not all of it is due to your world view and so I, I believe you're a man of character and you've got your head screwed on right. And you're looking at this in a very healthy way. I don't believe for a minute that men like you would ever cut and run. And I agree with you, Frank. I, the, those uh, wounded warriors that we see on television and such, they inspire me. They absolutely inspire me. Uh, we had, uh, uh, Laurie and I had a friend and, and he passed away some time ago. Uh, but he was there on uh, the beaches of Normandy. He stormed the beaches of Normandy and lived to tell about it, was a Purple Heart survivor. He was the most, uh, he was the nicest, most humble man you'd ever want to meet, again, like you, Frank, a man of faith. And he was inspiring to me. And like many, you know, I've I've buried many World War II veterans usually didn't talk about their experiences, by and large, uh, for whatever reason, and probably some good w- reasons, uh, but, but they carried a stature with them, they carried uh, a sense of, uh, of presence about them that, in an unspeakable way, in an intuitive way, just let you know that they were people of integrity and that they were walking heroes. And they are still among us. And, Frank, we need to be inspired by people like that. We need to be inspired, and we need to engage in the battles that have been put in front of us. It may not be a shooting battle. It may not be a, a, a traditional war battle, but it certainly is a battle for our culture And I guarantee it's a battle of good against, uh, or evil against good. And as you say, my friend, good wins. I've read all those chapters from Genesis through the end of Revelation, good wins. But we're called in the interim to engage in the battle that's put before us. How do we respond? hmm that's the question. I'll talk more about that. 209 551 3483 as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate that. 3 to 5 p.m. here, Monday through Friday, again on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. By the way, just uh, saw this a little bit uh, before we went on air today. Uh, <laughs> the Inflation Reduction Act, which by and large, even those that examine these things in Washington DC are saying probably is not going to reduce inflation. Uh, House representative Jim Banks, remember he's a Republican from Indiana has reintroduced a bill that would rescind the bill's funding of 87,000 new IRS agents and provide Americans with a tax break. Now, maybe after november 8 2022 that might have a possibility of getting through it won't be before then i'm sure but i love it here here's a bill here's a congressman that is saying no but I, I don't believe i think that's a, a, a dangerous bill I think it's going to increase inflation. And what's with the 87,000 new IRS agents? By the way, a report from the Joint Committee on Taxation estimates that these 87,000 new IRS agents will raise $124 billion in revenue well, wait a minute, I thought that the 87,000 new IRS agents were just going to deal with unprocessed claims so people can get money back. Mm, uh, maybe that might be part of it, but the Joint Committee on Taxation is saying, oh, those 87,000 new IRS agents with guns, by the way, will raise $124 billion, that's with a B, 124 billion dollars in revenue. Unbelievable. Uh, Representative uh, Banks very passionate about this. Uh, he he. Uh, I, well, I, I'm wondering about the timing. I, I guess is is my question. Uh, is he is the intent to try to hold it and have it introduced and not dealt with? until after November 8 he's saying that in in representative Be- uh, banks view the inflation reduction act would hit americans with billions in new taxes and subject them to pointless and invasive irs audits he says my bill would use uh the uh, uh 80 billion or so in more productive ways yeah I love it. I like that idea. Do you like that idea? Do you do you think he's do you think he's introducing it with the hope that ultimately there will be a Republican house come November 8? And this is a gauntlet. He says, My bill would use the $80 billion that Joe Biden is sending to IRS to partially offset a tax break for working Americans. I like it. Let's talk more about it. Coming up in five minutes after news, weather, and traffic here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: The show you love. Talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now, every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show, heading into hour number two here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation. As we are midweek, of course, a lot to discuss. Uh, we've covered a lot of territory so far today. Talking a bit ago about not giving up, about not running up the white flag, about not being intimidated. Because that is, that is the tactic of the opposition, to intimidate, to cancel, to discourage, and to try to shame us into crawling up into either figuratively or physically a fetal position and giving up, not going to do it. I brought this up some weeks ago, if you'd give me uh, Grace, to bring it up again, quick uh, quick story and quote about Pastor Martin Niemöller. He started out as a defender of Nazism in the German state, if you remember the story, anti-Semitism, part of his repertoire. In fact, he commanded German U-boats in World War I. In his personal journey, though, He ran afoul of Adolf Hitler as Hitler came into power because he began to question Hitler's policies. And he was held in uh, several concentration camps, one of them being Dachau. And he was Hitler's personal prisoner alongside other enemies of the Nazi state from 1938 until the Allied forces freed them in 1945. Well, Pastor Niemöller began to think about this, about his early support of Hitler and the Nazi state, and his words, I think, are particularly poignant today because I think there are some parallels for those of us who are people of faith who believe that there's a higher divine authority that supersedes all human authority, a divine source of human rights, not a governmental source of human rights. All right, so let's get down to it. Here's Pastor Martin Niemöller's very famous reflection on his failure to see things clearly and to act as Hitler and the Nazi state rose to power. He said this. First, they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, he wrote, and there was no one left to speak for me. I love that. Because I believe it's part of the dynamic of why we're in the situation we're in. Because righteous people try to be nice and they they try to be pleasant and they try not to be contrary. And many times they are intimidated and fall victim to shaming. And we wind up in a world where People are confused about their sexual identity. We're in a world where people are confused about why people should be prosecuted for crimes. We're in a world where people are allowed to rampage through businesses and steal up to $900 a day, I guess, or maybe per business and get away with it. We're in a world where people can assault other people, knock them out cold, and not even have to post bail, be right back out on the street. We're in a very violent world, and I believe it's because righteous people many times did not stand up and say, no, we're not going to do that. And so, 41 days from now, we have the opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. Do you feel like you should stand up? Do you feel like it's time that we make our voices known? And I know we're going to have some differences of opinion. That's, That's natural. But what's important is that we stand up for what we know to be true. That we stand up for what we know to be righteous. And there's a lot of unrighteousness in the world today. There are a lot of gray areas where we know what the clear truth in the light ought to be. And it's worth fighting for, appropriately fighting for. So I don't know if it's for me. I'm going to keep in the fight. Don't know about you. What about you? 209-551-3483. Are you willing to fight the good fight on a long-range battle? This is not like a light switch that goes on and off. This is going to be a long-term battle for the culture and battle for the Constitution and battle for the tenets of the Declaration of Independence. Are you are you willing to engage in the fight? Or are you giving up? I, I, won't, <clears throat> I won't call you names. I won't diss you, as they say, if you've decided to give up. I understand why people are discouraged. I'll never be there. That's not me. I'm a survivor and an appropriate Ways, I'm a fighter. Anybody with me on that? 209-551-3483. Speaking of why we need to engage in the battle 41 days from now, gas prices have been going up. Anybody notice that? Yeah, the AAA saying an average cost for a gallon of regular gas in Modesto is about 581 That's $0.12 more than yesterday's average and $0.49 more than a week ago. Here, uh, let me me take a look at at some gas prices around. This this should inspire you. The national average is $3.77. I would love for us to see $3.77 in California. But no, our average... Is six dollars and seven cents or four cents? Let's see. Mono County, they're always high, they're always at the top of the list. Mono County is at six dollars and 68 cents. Good night, Merced County, 588 a gallon. This is for regular, by the way. Stanislaus County, generally 580 581. Mariposa almost 6 dollars 596 Alameda County you're you're up there as well 6 dollars and 18 cents Santa Clara not far behind at 6 dollars and 15 cents average Contra Costa County not far behind that at 6 dollars and 13 cents so there we go i think it's it's worth engaging in the long term battle And uh, here's, uh, did did you see this? Here's another reason why we need to be diligent and why we need to be influencing at the basic local level. Sausalito, Dateline, Sausalito, California. Gasoline leaf blowers are going to become a thing of the past in Sausalito beginning tomorrow, Thursday. Thursday the Sausalito City Council unanimously approved the ban in an effort to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and noise complaints. The same ordinance will ban gas-powered lawnmowers, gas-powered hedge trimmers, gas-powered weed trimmers, and weed whackers that are gas-powered starting in January of 2023. And then they're going to ban gas-powered chainsaws and pole-mounted trimmers, effective December 31st, 2023. And they say, oh, modern electric-powered equipment is so quiet, reliable, and produces zero emissions. Well, it may be quiet, it may be reliable, but it doesn't pack the punch. It won't tackle the stuff around my yards. Good night. And this is why this is why we need to be active at the local level. So, are you willing to engage in the in the long-term battle 209-551-3483. Let's find out what James thinks about that from Mantica. Hi James, welcome. Hello James. Yep. Huh? I'm not hearing James, producer Mike. I don't know if you're hearing him. I'm not. I'm going to put James back on hold and see if we can come back to him. I'm uh, I'm not hearing anything. Let me try him again. James from Manteca, are you there, sir? No. Well, hopefully uh, James will call call back and we'll hear his uh, his thoughts. Uh, technology's wonderful when it works, isn't it? I'll be back in three minutes because the technology of the Mike Douglas Show is working. So we will be back in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the Valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Wednesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, let's uh, let's find out. What you think about hanging in there and fighting the good fight. 209-551-3483. Let's find out what Rick from Stockton thinks. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? All right. It looks like, uh, producer Mike, that all of a sudden a very strange... Gremlin has crept into our phone system here, and I'm uh, not hearing any phone folks. So, uh, yeah, we've uh, we've checked everything here. And uh, Rick, are you there? Rick from Stockton. No. Okay. Well, we'll put uh, Rick on hold. See if we can uh, solve this here when we hit the uh, the half hour. Let me. Uh, here, here's another uh, issue that uh, I think we, uh, we need to address. And, and this, uh, well, uh, the Alameda Sheriff's Department, and, and I've seen a uh, couple of, of versions of this. Uh, the Alameda C- County Sheriff's Department apparently has stripped uh, at least 47 deputies of their firearms and arresting powers. Officials said Monday that an audit determined that those deputies should not have been hired in the first place because they failed to pass psychological evaluations. Really? These guys and gals got hired without passing the psych? How did that happen? How is that even possible? Sheriff's Office apparently did its own internal audit after arresting Deputy Devin Williams Jr. earlier this month. He's in custody on suspicion of murdering, remember that, murdered a Dublin couple at their home in an execution style shooting. The deputies in the review received an unsatisfactory, or D as in David, not suited scores in psychological examinations that were taken from 2016 to 2022. How is this any even possible? How is this even possible? I, I'm I'm floored by this. I just uh, I just don't understand it. I mean, I remember, and I I worked for three law enforcement agencies. And in two of those capacities, it involved uh, being sworn in, being a sworn officer. And I had to take a psych for both. I didn't enjoy it. Anybody been through a psych examination? It's not fun, you know, because you know that what they're looking for is to try to uncover some reason for you not to be what you have dreamed of being. But anyway, I just don't understand how it is possible and I've heard some reports, upwards of fifty deputies with the Alameda County Sheriff's Office were had had failed their psychs. And so, but to their credit, the Alameda County Sheriff's Department has uh, has owned up to it. They've owned their stuff. We talked about owning your stuff earlier today. They owned their stuff, and I I think that's. I think that's wonderful. That's what you need to do. That shows integrity. That shows that the higher-ups in administration with the county and with the sheriff's department have integrity. They were willing to look at an issue, and they owned up to it, and they're owning their stuff. They're saying these people shouldn't have been hired. And I'm sure they'll go back and find out why not. So uh, kudos Kudos. And I I know the Alameda Sheriff's Department now is probably going to take a lot of heat for that. But I I appreciate what they did. I I appreciate what they went through. Absolutely. I think that's that's wonderful. All right. So uh, given that kudos, kudos to the Alameda County uh, Sheriff's Department. This is just a personal comment here. Best Buy in Riverbank is closing. Anybody go to Best Buy in Riverbank? That's who, That's where I go when I need an immediate cable or if, you know, if we've had times when our um, Wi-Fi has broken down and I've run over there very quickly to get a new one. Not happy that it Best Buy is closing the Riverbank Crossroads store after 13 years got 30,000 square feet, moved there in 2008. They're going to close it down on October 29. And they don't have plans for other stores in the area. So for folks like me, uh, we have to go all the way to Cisk Road. Well, I guess we can do that, but it was so... Con- I, I was wondering what was happening, though, as I'm watching Best Buy over the past... Uh, couple of, uh, well, past couple of months. And I, I, I think maybe it was a resu- as a result of the COVID restrictions, they started not to open until 11 in the morning. And I'm thinking to myself, cause I've worked in retail electronics, retail in the past, long time past, not with Best Buy. I'm thinking if you want to make a lot of money, you don't open at 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, you, you open nine or, or ten at the latest in retail, especially when other stores around you are opening at that time. So, old Pastor Mike here, not real happy to see Best Buy go away. Well, let me add something that's positive. I always look for the positives as well. Modesto B's reporting at least one mental health clinician should be riding with Modesto patrol officers as soon as early November responding to calls involving people in crisis. It's a partnership between uh, Stanislaus County behavioral health and recovery services and Modesto police department. And I also understand that the sheriff's department is also launching a similar program, pairing a mental health clinician with an emergency medical technician, uh, with, uh, officers and with deputies. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Uh, and, and, police officers are, no pun intended, under the gun so much, under the microscope. They're expected to be everything, experts on everything. They're expected to be therapists. They're expected to be educators. They're expected to be negotiators. And it's it's difficult to lay all that on top of being a police officer or, or a deputy in the first place, which is a serious and deeply involved assignment. Glad to see that. So again, applause uh, for Modesto police department, Stanislaus County Sheriff's department as well. All right. We'll be back here on the Mike Douglas show in five minutes here on power talk, 1360 K F I V.
0: The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from three till five on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the Valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, and streamed on the iHeart Radio app.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV Mike Douglas with you your concierge for conversation as we move through all of the topics of the day that affect you and me right here in in the Central Valley of California as we look at T minus 41 days until the election uh, we believe that we have solved the little Technical gremlins. Our phones are now open again. 209 551 3483. If you tried to reach us a couple of minutes ago, give us another try. 209 rather. 209 551 3483. Been talking about uh, giving up or fighting the good fight when it comes to trying to save our culture, our state, and our nation as well from those who really demonstrably. Are out to, uh, to destroy it and to destroy the Constitution, to destroy the Bill of Rights, to uh, destroy the, the tenets of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, so we'll, uh, I'm, not, I'm not willing, again, to, to crawl up in the fetal position, either figuratively or physically, and give up. I'm in it for the long haul. Uh, wanted to go th- talking about positive things. And I believe that's, uh, that's important as well. Uh, I want to go back and talk about this NASA story from, from earlier this week. Uh, Dart versus Dimorphous. It doesn't sound it always sounds to me like one of those Marvel uh, movies, Dimorphous. Anyway, if it was the, about NASA sending the, the spacecraft to uh, slam into uh, the asteroid to find out if it's possible for us, to alter the trajectory, the orbit, of, a, uh, of an asteroid, if an asteroid was headed here from Earth, uh, for Earth. Uh, hurricanes are bad enough, now it's asteroids, right? Come on, Mike, you're worrying us again. Well, I, I believe there are a couple of uh, important things to note about this, and, uh, and I'll, I'll go over those with you in a moment. So let me just lay it out just, just to frame this properly. Remember NASA's DART probe, remember DART stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test, carried out the first-of-its-kind maneuver on a on a little harmless space rock known as Dimorphos, and it's roughly about 6.8, millions, 6.8 million miles away from Earth, believe it or not. Uh, it's a three hundred twenty-five million dollar mission, and it was designed to see whether we can nudge an asteroid out of its trajectory. It's a test to see if if there is an asteroid, in fact, headed for Earth, whether we can change the uh, the trajectory, the the path. And so that that little spacecraft there crashed in at about the size of a vending machine, by the way, crashed into Dimorphos this past Monday at seven. 14 p.m. Eastern time. That would have been three uh, or four, 14 uh, p.m. Eastern time when we were on the air. So it fled head on into the space rock at 14,000 miles per hour. I love it. Anyway, if if you wonder how long it takes to get a spacecraft from Earth to an asteroid 6.8 million miles away, it well, it launched in November 2021. Only spent 10 months. That That's amazing to me. All right, but here's, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to play the control room as the DART spacecraft was about to crash into the asteroid. And I'm playing this for a reason. It's not just because... I have a sound bite, and I think it's cool. I've I've got a point here. So listen with me to the people in the control room at NASA as they are looking at the video feed of this spacecraft about to crash at 14,000 miles per hour into Dimorphos. Here we go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Seven, six, uh, five, four...
0: Three, two,
3: one. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. we visual confirmation. All right. We got it? Rating. Rating.
4: And we have impact. <laughs> a
3: triumph for
5: humanity in the name of planetary defense.
4: Woo. Fantastic.
5: Oh, fantastic. What what a moment. Very few words can really capture this moment. This is beautiful to watch.
1: All right, now why am I playing that? A couple of reasons. And, And this is because I believe we need to accentuate the positive when we see it. In a day when a lot of people hate their work, in a day when people show up for work, and it's called quiet quitting and do the bare minimum, if that, in order to punch in and out and get their paycheck and then demand more. In that kind of a day, something historic took place on Monday. Did you hear the room? Did you notice how the people in that room were filled with joy? They love their job. They love their job. And, and I think it would be really cool to have a job where you target an asteroid 6.8 million miles away by remote control with a 4x4x4 space box. You ramp that thing with your remote control up to 14,000 miles per hour and you slam it, you slam that 4x4x4 box into a 525-foot-wide evil asteroid. And to boot, you use $325 million of other people's money. Is there anything better than that job? Seriously? I mean, do you think, and I'm being a a little facetious, a bit, but think of what it took, engineering-wise, to think of all the calculations that had to go into making that accurate flight over 10 months over 6 million miles away, and and you hit that thing dead center about, the, I think it was maybe one minute off, if that. So I'm thinking, while we're careening into California's version of a third world country and economy, and while we're careening into energy depletion, what was NASA doing? What was NASA doing? Well, DART is going to be used by NASA for other things. In fact, one of the things we can learn from them, I think, I just told you this story about uh, local cities saying, we're going to ban gas-powered mowing lawnmowers, gas-powered Weed whackers, gas, and, of course, California is already on that road, but a a local city decided to do that earlier in Sausalito. So before we even have commercially in the private sector here the ability to have more power, to quote Home Improvement, I loved that show. Tim Allen's one of my heroes. I loved Home Improvement. Got to go there one time, by the way, and see him uh, tape the show, and they gave us a, a tour of the set. It was for a birthday. And my wife arranged it many, many years ago. It's one of the most exciting times in my life to see Tim Allen and Al live, and and to actually walk on the set to see them do their show tape live. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit trail, but the point is, before we even have more power. We're, we're we're banning things. It makes absolutely no sense. But NASA, let let's talk about this. This this Dart uses an ion ion propulsion system developed by NASA's Glenn Research Center and Aerojet Rocketdyne. It's a solar powered electric propulsion system using a gridded ion engine. Acting like I know what that is producing thrust by electrostatic acceleration of ions formed from the xenon propellant. Uh, A lot of that's above my pay grade, but the point is that that type of propulsion system offers improved performance, improved fuel efficiency, improved operational flexibility. And so I'm thinking... California. How about before we start banning gas engines that work? M- maybe we look to NASA and say, gee, how soon can perhaps we use that type of a system for consumers? And if the technology isn't there yet, fine. Let's let's get it in the pipeline. You see, that that makes sense to me, but just banning Fossil fuel for propulsion for hard work makes no sense to me whatsoever. But a lot of things right now that the state of California and Washington, D.C. don't make uh, a whole lot of sense to me. But I'm I'm excited about that, and I that's why I wanted to play that. I, I was overjoyed to hear people that love their work. Are you, if you're working, are you passionate about your work or is it drudgery? Do you take joy in what you do? I take joy in show. I look forward to showing up from 3 to 5 p.m. This is one of the things I do in my life. I have about seven or eight other things that I do as employment as well. But this one brings me a lot of joy. Does what you do bring you joy? 209 551 3483. Our number, let us know. 209 551 3483. Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360
0: KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. We'll be back to the phones in in just a moment. I uh, again, I, I want to applaud, I want to come back to this because police departments, sheriff's departments uh, take take so much heat. I just appreciate the fact that the Alameda County Sheriff's Department stepped up to the plate and said, we have a problem. And they've dealt with it. Uh, apparently, uh, upwards of 50 deputies were hired without passing the psych review. And, and again, that is absolutely uh, really unheard of. And again, I, I want to applaud... The uh, Alameda County uh, Sheriff's Department for um, for really, and and it takes you know what it, it takes a lot of guts these days, it really does to stand up and say yeah, yeah we uh, we made a mistake, and so I, I just uh, really appreciate what they did and and again I I want to applaud them and that that's what instills trust in the eyes of the public right now, the FBI has a trust issue and they've earned it. They have earned the trust issue because they have violated some of their own policies. All right. uh, We're going to make one more try at this James from Manteca. Sounds like we got you this time, James. Uh, the, the mic is all yours, my friend.
5: Great. Thank you. It was, uh... It's always great having you on. It's great having the FBI friend of yours on. I wish you were on three or four more hours. I could cruise from Manteca to L.A. just listening to you. <laughs> um, I'll tell you a story. We talked about that rocket and the thing, um, not the rocket, but anyway, the thing that crashed into it. I live in Manteca, and I was going to work in the Bay Area, uh, San Mateo area. I was leaving home. I was. Uh, they mentioned on the radio, they said the shuttle, space shuttle, sometime back, it was when it was going on sometime back was just coming over San Francisco at about 10, 15,000 feet. And they said, if people are going to pull over, pull way over, and you could actually see it. And I pulled over, and sure enough, I saw it right there by Moss Landing Place. And by the time I got to the Altamont Pass, about 20-minute drive, it was setting up for its landing in Florida. Unbelievable just that, how fast that thing was going uh, when you said something about 10,000 miles an hour. I predicted that thing going, the shuttle going from uh, San Francisco to uh, Florida in just 20 minutes, probably at about that speed. But uh, a little presidential stuff. You know, I'm pretty much a Trumper, but it doesn't look like everybody's going to come in and just hate him and verbally beat him up. Pelosi will try something. Maybe Newsom will throw his two cents in. Um, It just seems like he can't come. She'll try to oust him out i forgot to impeach him again and i don't know maybe he knows that too he's not saying anything pelosi's laying low too she's not coming up and talking i notice. but uh ted ted cruz i think he's a fighter i've seen him on tv and i like him and i don't know if the left wing the democrats would uh beat up on him that much i don't know what they're afraid of trump um if they're afraid of he's being president gosh he, he only made the country better and um So we'll see. I think uh, uh, Ted Cruz would be a good one if uh, Trump bows out of this one. So I just wish you were on more. It's great listening to you.
1: Well, I appreciate that, James. Uh, Yeah, this is uh, one of the sad things right now is that a lot of people can't get past whether they like or dislike Donald Trump. And I, I often say to people, all right, let's put that aside because you have the right to like him or not like him. But set that aside for a moment. Tell me about his policies. What's your assessment of his policies? What do you think were bad policies? What do you think were good policies? And I usually hear crickets, James. I usually yes. hear crickets. And, and maybe gonna, Go ahead. I was
5: going to say, maybe you could have a show for half a of- you can have a show someday for a half hour and said, OK, I'm going to take all the Trump haters and if they're welcome to call in, I won't cut you off. Tell me your piece. Tell me why you don't think he's a good president or he would make a good one. Tell me what it is that you dislike about him. Is it his hair, his looks, his style, anything? Because I don't know what it is. I didn't vote for him the first time. I voted for Ted Cruz the first time. But then when I saw how effective Trump is, and he's a no-nonsense guy, and he tells that guy, I had my hand on a bigger uh, bigger button. So things like that. And, and, you know, too, I didn't mean to rob your words, but a lot of the Republicans in the office, they don't seem to want to stick up for, for Trump at all. They just kind of – they don't do anything, nothing. And Fox News seems to be the only one that does any uh, supporting. So if those guys get thrown out, that's fine with me.
1: Uh, James, uh, it's just a a very interesting dynamic. And the other thing, uh, James, that I think plays into this is the uh, misapplication of the law, uh, where the law is used, and, and the FBI as the long arm of the law, is used against Uh, the political opposition, but it is not used against those that are on their side. And so you have this selective enforcement of the law. When we start on, on par, on a regular basis, doing selective enforcement, the rule of law is gone. It's gone. Because what it then means is that enforcement of the law is now by the dictate of the elites and the common man and the common woman no longer have any court of appeal because it's whatever the elite say it is. You, you are guilty before your trial, and, and social media has contributed to that so many times. You think of some of the Supreme Court hearings that we've seen and and such. And uh, so, James, I I think one of the dynamics that we're seeing is the select selective enforcement of the law and the use of the law to try to take out the political uh, opposition. And that's flat out wrong. It's unethical. And and they will try to say, well, we found a legal a legal loophole, yeah, a loophole, yeah, but it's still unethical. That's the issue for me. Is we need to bring back integrity and a le- and ethics into our. Politics, James. Thanks so much for the call. Good, uh, good topic there, and we'll have more good topics to talk to you about tomorrow from three to five p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Thanks so much for listening today. Have a great evening.